All right, look at that. We're back again. Hey, this is Andy speaking from Creative Vices, the host, uh, accompanied with... I'm Abe, the co-host. And today we have a special person. You're a person, right? I think so. Well, you're a special entity. So you this seem ends. like a. You sound, and look like a person, and you smell like a person too. But you feel, like something otherwise. Uh, HR man, HR. <laughs> a figmentive element. Ooh. That being said, welcome, welcome, Creative Vices once more. Uh, today we're joined by Christopher White. We like to call him Chris because. Uh, the hell with we're the formality. We, we don't want to say yeah, the whole that's name. That's not in the budget, bro. That's why we call me Abe and you Andy, because we don't like to say full names around here. This yeah. is just a rule of law yeah. in our apartment and yeah. everywhere yeah. that we roam. Yeah. <laughs> and now we got a budget for ASMR, so we got, we got some, some little sounds. bit of this, a little bit of that. But you know what we got today? Some stock sounds. We got some Dr. Pepper. What are we, what are we drinking with this Dr. Pepper? Oh, well, this sweet sound of Dr. Pepper. We're misbehaving, and we added some rum from the last podcast. Mm, um, that. We spiked it. Chris is being a duty duty, and he's just drinking it clean. So, cheers that to that. Is my vice, Dr Pepper. Hey, I have to limit. How cheers much to Dr Pepper because drink. honestly, Chin -chin. it's not every day I hear someone likes Dr Pepper. And I love Dr Pepper. What do you mean? It's like the other one people, soda I enjoy. Other yeah, but outside of you, you're not. I'm everything. I'm your entire world. Let's not let's not get it twisted. It's getting spicy in here, guys. We're, we're, we're under lavender lighting. I think he's it's his, the lavender lighting. His glass, <laughs> his glass is already halfway empty, and he had the most alcohol in it. So I don't know. I think he's feeling some type of way. And uh, yeah, just yeah, cool. That is the sound of crafties being very invasive, but very inviting. I wish we could say the name of what we're eating, but uh, we're not sponsored. I mean, we're not sponsored. I mean, we've been together. saying the names so, of everything, so... Right, so uh, all our drinks. On. You know what, toss, episode. toss the Chex Mix in the popcorn. <laughs> Word. Let's make an even better Chex Mix. It's the Trail Mix. It's not that the brand. you guys? I'm sorry if it is. Don't worry, we're not going to edit that out. Right. I know you're not. It's not in the budget. No, it's not in the budget to Eight, 86 all edits. A couple of these little snacks over here. A little bit of. Guys, we can make a movie. All right, all right, all right. Come on, guys. Let's let's control ourselves. This is this is a professional environment where we just simply talk and get drunk. We've been yes. talking about having you on this show even before the show was even something of a show. Because the show itself became a show after we had, uh, had officially named it a show. And the show Creative Vices became a show after the reinstallation of the gear to provide the show. But we had to take the hiatus for the show because the show did the show. Correct? Was that before or after the latter? That's a different show. <laughs> That's the Will and Clark show. Right. Shout out to Chase. Which he might be on the show. Of the show. Of this show. You guys lost me. Or That's part of the show. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> okay, I'm back on board. Right. So are we going to just ASMR or are we going to chit-chat? We're going to yeah. ASMR the whole episode. ASMR. Dude, it's good to have you on Thank the podcast. I I'm excited to be here. Sparky is somewhere co-hosting the, ho the show. It's really a show about Sparky. Mm -hmm. He's always mentioned. 
But well, tell us a little bit about you, and I want to ask you a very specific question after. Okay, word. Um, myself, I grew up in. I was born in Hialeah. Grew up in Hollywood, Florida. Just moved here to Georgia about a, actually a little like a year and a month ago. Uh, in pursuit of the film industry. I started off doing a lot of... Yeah, there you go. A little claps to get that in there, you know? It's a very uh, brave uh, venture, yeah. so we got to give you a little, like... Yeah, Miami was very uh, niche to where it's like, if you're not part of it, you're not going to be part of it kind of thing. Yeah, way. exactly. Um, I mean, you're, I'm sure there's always a door, but uh, <laughs> my significant other was our, uh, Ashley, my girlfriend, was already planning to move to Atlanta, and I said, you know... I'll braid the venture. It was great timing because my job was actually closing. So it was like a perfect time to rebrand, you know, to change what I'm doing. Was it planned? <clears throat> Sorry. Was it planned out or was it just like the perfect storm aligning? Perfect storm aligning. I was right about to give my like month technically notice to just kind of give them time to figure it out because I was their shipping agent and I'm the only person doing it. So I was like, oh, I'll give them time to figure out what they're going to do. And I had told my girlfriend too, I was like, you know, I'm comfortable here. So it's like, I don't want to quit because, you know, I I'm, I can rely on it. It's not, it's good pay or, you know, whatever. But then I was like, but at the same time, I feel like this place will close. Mm-hmm. And then literally like the day after I had that conversation, they were like, yeah, we're closing. And I was like, well, word. The funny thing about word life that. is right. that, and I tell this to everyone that I encounter, whether they believe it or not, I think this is something that you believe in on first-hand encounter or experience. But honestly, being comfortable, first of all, is not commodity. It's just it's an inconvenience. redundancy. It's just repetition. And so, especially if you're an artist or someone that's trying to say something outside of the mold of what society is, Get out of it, get uncomfortable, challenge other people's minds, challenge yourself, because that's when you see what's on the other side. You can only so much. You can only see so much from a four-wall and concealed room. You gotta get out there and see the sun. See hey the man, ocean. when you wake up in the morning and you feel all cozy and comfortable in bed, and you just stay there because you're comfortable, you're not gonna do anything today. Right. You gotta get uncomfortable, get out of bed. Well, it's like your I legs tell. Going. I tell everybody this too. It's like, especially. You know, and I, I preach it to myself too because I need it. Everyone needs it. It's like the days that you don't want to do whatever it is, like work out, work, do this, do that. Those are the important days to get out and do whatever challenge presents itself. It's like, oh, today I don't feel like taking that extra step. Well, today's the day that you have to because that's the proof. That's where you're going to become who you are supposed to be or you're going to become everybody else. And you're going to have people challenge that ideology by saying but uh like stuff like oh but what if nothing happens on the other side what if i give my all and just like what if i just have it be my plan b or my backup or or let me focus on a mainstream income and try to make this on the side work the reality is it's never gonna work like yeah it will always be your side it has like i don't even know how to explain it from miami to atlanta to whatever i pursue like Half the time, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Half the time, I don't even have a plan. I have the ambition, the drive, and the vision. So sometimes the reality, the, the, the strategy or the 
or the road ahead that really makes the difference is the one unknown is the one that you're just going with your gut and just keeping moving towards the horizon because like i didn't like when i started freelancing my man I didn't, I didn't have a plan i just told myself i need to do it yeah and when i came up here and it was time for me to like go back into freelancing i had a bunch of debt over me i had a bunch of expenses and all that and the only thing i could say is i have to find a way there's no like plan a is the only plan so get to work push through put face and put the work and the rest is just domino effect honestly that's my that's my experience i mean uh it's self-proof too because it's like you're proving yourself to other people which is beautiful but at the same time it's like when you believe and you prove that belief you have that extra um self-support and it's like you're never gonna if it's easy you're not challenging yourself and kind of like what you said it's like you know like what if it doesn't work and then it's like okay well either you didn't try enough you didn't put the right effort in or it simply wasn't in maybe the right direction so to speak so it's like you've got to back up and figure out where did you go wrong and what can you change because that's the only way to make that that difference is like you know everyone makes mistakes and i mean you know i've done projects where i'm like oh, i could have did this and that better okay well then that's the only way to go back and do those things and kind of like in the film way where i started off doing pa work like most people in the film industry it's like okay well as a pa you have the opportunity to fail the most and succeed the most because you're so dis dispersed around almost every entity of existence within the production because it's like yeah you've got to go help this team that team the other team whatever and it's like that's the time where you want to kind of mess up it's not not like do something that's going to catastrophically destroy the production but it's like you need to make those mistakes and say ask those questions you know something like when i was working on winley clark with you guys i was paing but i was able to jump in on gaffing and gripping and even, you know, if, we're, if I could help out with the camera department, it was a small set, so I had that luxury too, but I guess what, I can ask you questions. And I think that's the important part too, is asking those questions, developing yourself, and if you are not sure about something, it's okay sometimes to take a safer step, but still take a step. Well, let me tell you this real quick, and I know Abraham will vouch for this like a thousand percent, but... I already agree. Thank you. <laughs> I, don't e I don't even... You, you know what I'm going to say, right? No. Well, you will. Uh, <laughs> dude, you've fucking been killing it. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's impressive. It's motivated. Like, seeing the shit that you've been there's able a, to accomplish. There's a, there's a tangible trajectory when we observe you. And it's, it's so refreshing. Because you're one of the few people. <clears throat> and I don't want to speak for both of us. But I'm sure you can agree. You're one of the few people that we've worked with. That we genuinely get excited to see like succeed and do better and con con keep coming back with us <clears throat> and and doing more on their own and just kind of like spreading your wings and, and getting those jobs and and it's it's really nice to see someone who shares the passion for this line of work like we do thank you very much and i will and i and i do genuinely appreciate that and i've told uh, andy this i'm sure he's probably expressed it to you i've said it to you probably a few times but Genuinely, like, working with you guys on Will and Clark was a big 
eye-opener for me because when I started peeing, I thought about grip and gaff, and I was like, Psh, I, I ain't going to never do that because that just looks like too much work. It looks too complicated. Um, and I was like, I'm going to pursue other things. Like, I, I like to do costume, and I like to do camera. But as I worked in the camera world, I realized, well, gripping and gaffing is such an integral part of that world where it's like you can have the production design and it can look gorgeous, but if it's not well telling the story through the lighting moods and through like well lit um, design, you're losing a lot of that information that you're putting out there. If it's all black, it doesn't matter if you have a million dollars in production design, you're never gonna see it. It won't exist. So you gotta have that contrast and all that stuff. And I said that's why I started really realizing the craft and I was able to ask Andy specifically a lot of questions because you were kind of new on the gaffing side a little bit, but you were like, this is my first time being thrown in it, but we made it work. Not, and, and not by choice. And not, not, not I have like done, I had done like ladder, grip, you know, I but like grip stuff, um, probably like a uh, very small yeah. uh, role in the, in the grip department. Um, cause I, I've done some, some production work for like some ad agencies and stuff. And sometimes they would ask me to come do, it was more, it, they said grip, but it was more PA stuff than grip stuff. Right. But I was like talking to the genie department a lot. Um, but it wasn't until like I started working with him more, uh, yeah. more, uh, exclusively that I started getting more into lighting. Yeah. And then that day it was just like, oh yeah, you can't do it. I'm going to have to step in. Right just figure it out as I go. Right. I mean, um, and luckily it was thanks to like all the, the creative gym things that we were doing and all the different things that we've learned by, by, uh, by practicing that we, uh, that I decided, you know what? I, I, I think I could do this. I think I have enough knowledge of, uh, of the craft to yeah. at least put something together. Yeah. I could defend myself because right. of what we, we've, you because of what we did. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I mean like, and it's crazy too, because my last two projects I worked on, I went from just gripping to key grip, and it was pretty interesting to see that that change in such a short time. I mean, yeah, they're not huge projects. I mean, they're small teams, but in the end of the day, it's nice to have that responsibility and to give yourself that challenge. And on that last project I just worked on, I was able to do a car rig, which you know, Andy said he hadn't done it, and I was like. Whoosh. Yeah, you gotta teach me. My my protege, hey, he hasn't done it yet, so I gotta I gotta figure it out for myself. Now yeah. I gotta just follow follow me. And I took that initiative to tell you know my team. I said, listen, no one else is touching this. I if I'm if anyone's gonna be responsible, let me, the key, you know, make the mistake. And I made sure that I strapped it so strapped that there was no chance. I I made sure. It was strapped to the truck. It was strapped to the camera, and I strapped the camera to the straps. What were you on that sh on that shoe? You were uh, the key swing? grip. Key I grip? was key grip. Yeah. Did you do any research prior? Did you have oh, someone yeah, showing I mean, you? Um, I I learned a lot from working with you guys, and and every project that I'm on, I always take the challenge of asking, you know, the grip or the gaffer or whoever I'm working with, even if they're on camera, I say, you know, what would you do? What would you change? And maybe it's not their project, and they're like, you know, I got to do what makes the DP happy. I said, okay, well, if the DP, the DP wasn't here, what would we do differently? Why? Because it gets to see how everybody's thought process is going, where the DP might be happy, and the gaffer might say, well, I would like a little more light over here because of this and that reason. Or the grip would say, well, I would prefer to have some more time so we can rig up 
a truss and do, you know, as the budget permitted it and do this and do that. And like in the last project I was in, I didn't even know it was something the DP was thinking about. He wanted a wall spreader. And we could have, I had a guy who got us a wall spreader. He, if wish he would have told me, we could have got the wall spreader. But in the end of the day, that's something that I learned for him. Like, okay, well, that was a desire. But anyway, getting into that project, I just did genuinely before when I first started working as a PA, I tried to watch every YouTube channel video I could find on any role that I was interested in. Because YouTube is an excellent teacher. I mean, here's the thing too. It's just like you do got to watch different people because yeah, everyone exactly. has a different perspective. And it's not like what you hear is gold, but guess what? It works for this person. Yeah. And their perspective might influence your perspective. But then you have to take another influence and say, okay, well, you have to also remember market. They're working in New York. This person's working in Los Angeles. They're different markets. So how do they diverge how do they change what's the difference what's the what's the obstacle that's another thing of realizing is it's great to say oh i would have liked the wall spreader just for that example well guess what it's a 16 foot wall do you have the budget for that proper wall spreader and additional supports for that wall spreader maybe not so is it was a good idea probably not just saying like that's just like one obstacle to think about that would be probably better for a trust. Well, do you have the budget to, to get a trust up, to get a trust in general? Probably not. Can your roof support the trust? Probably not. And do you have the right hands to... Do you have the right hands? Do you have the experience to, to get that trust up properly because that's a thousand plus pound piece of equipment that can, that can and will kill people. So it's like, that's where you have to figure out what's worth it in the shot and what's not. And it's like, sometimes you'll see... Like a lot of projects which have been spoken about by everybody, it's like, oh, I just want it to look like this. No big deal, right? Well, hold on. You're talking about a certain sequence of lighting and building and staging, and we have the sun to work with, and it's not going to work. So now we have to bring in all these other pieces of equipment. But that's where experience and knowledge comes in. Have you, um, like, hopefully, I mean, everyone runs into this at some point, but... Have you run into the filmmaker that asked you to set up, uh, uh, what's that shit called, um, a sequence shot or, or essentially a one-take shot? Uh-huh. Have you dealt with that yet? Because um, those are the worst. When you did like... Uh, oh, one of those like chore choreographed like, long shots? Like a filmmaker that says, oh, it's going to be simple, quick, let's just light it real quick. Yeah, it's gonna be a I, one I definitely take, had that like... happen. And I mean, actually in the last uh, project I worked on, there was a sequence that we were doing a one take, but thankfully we were only shooting half of the world. So it was like we had something to work with. We could put some lights up. We could build it back to where we were setting it, setting the tone throughout the shots. Instead of having the whole world exposed, then we'd have to really figure with no with no small lighting because we had everything on C-stands. We couldn't do that. If we shut the whole world, you're going to see a stand. Yeah, You're going to see a dome. You're going to see reflection. I mean, we even in that one take we did have like a reflection of a, of a of a lantern and so that was something that we had to reframe that one take because there was nowhere else to move it yeah that's a huge super not superstition that's a huge like myth that one takes are easy to get because it's just like one shot one coverage whatever the reality in the real 
like industry level takes a lot of planning yeah it's a lot of planning it's a lot of like intentionality behind light placements camera placements even if you're doing the the birdman strategy which is you essentially which is you essentially um using barriers to hide cuts yeah that requires a lot of planning a lot of anticipation exactly and the right location yeah and that's that's kind of also going back to what we said in the episode with i think jeremiah or riley or both actually uh don't push a location to be something it's not a good yeah a good gne or even a good filmmaker knows what the space can offer if you like one of the things that really dead to me that hopefully you haven't encountered yet is call time is middle of the day you're shooting all day but the scene is a nighttime shoot Right, and it's like, oh no, we can just black out the scene, uh, black out the windows, and all that. It's like, sure, but the reality is, even in nighttime, there's light penetration. So where we block the light, we have to recreate it how it would be at night. And I would even say, be before you even try blacking out the windows, just do uh, day for night, like just shoot in the daytime and in the posts. You just kind of change the the values and all that, but. Like, it is the most wasteful sense of preparation when you want to shoot a nighttime shoot in the middle of the day. Especially if, let's say, the sun is a factor. Even if it's a location, maybe it's a high traffic location where you see, you hear a lot of like foot traffic or a lot of car traffic or whatever. So it's, it's really, really knowing what to work with, with what you got. And... I think that's the beauty with G&E mainly that you you were able to have this almost intimate connection with the location to know how to enhance it and highlight it in the way that it deserves. So I think that's something a lot of people overlook when it's the the, the process of lighting or enhancing or texturizing a location. Well, I think a lot of times that comes with like what we mentioned about preparation when it comes to... Um, Inexperienced and sometimes even experienced filmmakers don't have that consideration of, you know, their primary objective is budget, which is understandable completely. But then it comes to, like you said, building something with nothing. It's like you can't make, you know, gold into shit or shit into gold, whatever. It's like it's not possible. My chef always said, uh, I don't know if you guys knew I was a chef, but my chef always said, it doesn't matter how much you beautify shit. At the end of the day, it shouldn't be shit. Right. It's just going to be a prettier shit, but at the end of the day, it's going to be shit. Right. So, so it's like, they're like, oh, I've got this, um, I've got this school. Let me use this project that I've worked on is I've got this school and I want it to look like these beautiful production shots, but I have no lighting. So we're using natural lighting from a school, which in the end of the day, you get what you get. Oh, or like kind of what happened to Abraham recently that mm-hmm. they prep, they got a really good location, they got a really good camera or some solid lenses, and they don't have any G&E. Yeah, this Personnel person... or equipment? Or both? Equipment. Anything. Anything. I, I was hired for that job to be uh, a cam op. I'll leave it to Chris. Party foul. Party foul. Sorry, guys, it was bound to happen at some point. Not even drinking. This is the things that happen in creative vices. Drinks are spilled. 
crunches or hag. We're going to take a moment to just enhance the background music. <laughs> Enjoy. All right. That was, uh, that was fun. Uh, so something we learned is be very careful with the equipment and the food that you put around, but also listen to the signs because when that happened, we realized poor Sparky didn't feel well and he made a little boo-boo. So everything happens for a reason. That's him drinking. Shout out to Sparky. You're going to be good. You're going to be all right, buddy. Yeah. Um, Getting back on track. I don't Actually, even know. I, what was the track? I don't even I, know. It doesn't matter. We're going to start with a new question. Chris. Right. Technically uh, speaking, since we cut, should we move on to the next vice? I'm already. All right. So the next vice is Ar Arnold Palmer by Arizona. Um, let me finish the old one. By George Bush. Really? Shout out to George Bush. George Bush? He did the Eiffel Tower. I mean, um... <laughs> Did the what? <laughs> did the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> What's the context behind that? I mean, it was like a indirect pun at 9-11. He did the Eiffel Tower. It's that type of show now. Which did 9-11. Well, back to the track of, uh, of uh, creative vices and creativity and like... I have a question for a guest. Go for it. So, <clears throat> a lot of us coming out of school, of film school... Did you go to film school, by the way? Negative. Negative. Okay. A lot of us that came out of film school, uh, we learn pretty quickly when we go into our first uh, production that film school doesn't teach you everything. Um, and my question would be, what would you say to someone who is going into their first production as a PA, for example, who just came out of film school? Like, what, what would you tell them what to expect? What questions to ask? What, what kind of things to do to make themselves valuable to the team? Um, it would depend upon time frame, but um, let's, if they had already graduated, whatever knowledge they have, you know, it's nice to have that. But I would say, I always say, you know, if you're smart, just put it in your pocket because you don't need to be flaunting it around. But moreover than that is, you don't want to be the guy who knows something and then who doesn't know something. And especially in a lot of productions, people operate differently. You can have the same education, but someone has different experiences. They may do something differently than you do. And uh, the biggest thing I can say is observe. And that's what I told a PA that I was just working with is observe. Because if you notice, every time, you know, just coming from a grip perspective, you know, if you notice that when the grip grabs a stand, Typically, what follows him is a sandbag. You could be the guy who grabs a sandbag. Why? Not because it's so important, but because you're doing a favor for that person, saving them a trip. And if they're holding a, a sandbag and a stand in the other hand, you can grab a sandbag from them or um, in a, a stinger if you're knowledgeable enough to know that they would need a stinger. They may not, depending upon the application of the stand. But, you know, follow with what is being done. Observe that. Ask any question if you're not sure if there's time permitting if it's not crazy super active and you see okay you know we have like a minute before you know we're settled right now say hey why did you grab that stand what are you going to do with it oh hey i'm putting up this flag because there's too much light coming from this side i need to cut a little bit 
or hey, there's not enough light, and I know right now we don't need it, but in five minutes we might need that light. So the stand's already there. So it's like by gathering, you have to figure out, eventually you'll figure out what questions that you should ask and what questions you don't ask, but while you're new, ask any question that comes to your mind. And what would you say... What would you say would be like an appropriate time to ask questions and and what would be an inappropriate time to ask questions on set? Um, I'm going to start with the inappropriate, which is uh, if someone's moving very quickly, don't ask them questions. Not because it's not possible, but because they're busy. And at that time, you may be causing a conflict. You know, you're not aware of what's going on. Step back. If you know what's going on, then you can take your own judgment. If they are saying quiet on set, definitely don't ask any questions. And don't try to whisper while they're shooting. Because 9 times out of 10, the mics are probably really good quality and they can hear you. Very faintly, but they can hear you. So during a take, right before a take, uh, if someone's very occupied, those are times not to ask those questions. But if the AD says, hey, let's take a five-minute break, okay, well, that's something where you could definitely ask some questions. You can go and go around and try to, uh, try to socialize, you know, get some networking done, but also just make it productive. Make it about the project. Don't ask personal questions. It's not needed on set. If it's something that comes up, your discretion, but for nine times out of ten, Make it production-wise. Make it something fruitful for the project. The biggest question I love to ask is, how can I help? Because a lot of times, you might think you're helping, but you're not. And I'll ask someone's permission before I do something, even if I know it could be helpful. Like, just for example, in the last project, the audio mixer was like running with another boom operator. And I said, would it be helpful for you if I hold your XLR cord so you're not being tangled and feed it if you're moving so that way I can help guide it which is good to ask because he could have told me no because guess what I'm putting traction on the XLR card I could be making noise I could be causing him tension but he said yeah that would if you can do it in a functional way help it would help me but that's a great question to ask is how can I help you because instead of getting in the way like I mentioned with the sandbag and the stand well guess what sometimes by you taking the sandbag from that person They've already got it in their mind what they're going to do with it. So you grabbing it might throw them off. So you're going to say, can I grab it from you? And they might totally blow you off, which means step back, you know. But can I help, I think, is the most important question to ask. And another, you know, they'll, you'll get that vibe right when you ask that question. They'll, they'll tell you straight up, like, hey, step back. And at that point, don't be offended because... So much is going on in the production. You'll probably think someone's being rude to you. And at the end of the production, they're going to be like, you were so helpful today. You were so great. Blah, blah. And you were like, man, I thought you you hated me. Well, it's just because they were busy. Something was going on, you know? Yeah, in the restaurant business, there's there's a quote that goes by heat of the moment. Heat of the moment is essentially that. There's moments where there's high tensions, high stress levels, high standards trying to be met and trying to execute them that sometimes a slight amount of turbulence from an outside source that is not necessary is gonna cause a reaction so same thing on sets sets literally you lose money by the second 
So every decision should be intentional. Every decision should be progressive. Every decision should be like contributional. So we have to understand that sometimes under high, under high uh, pressure and tension, we're going to react impulsively. But it's never out of malice. It's just we're, we're trying to execute a certain task at the best that we can. And right now is not the time. Right now, either have the intuition to meet me in the, in the gaps that I leave behind or simply watch. Watch and learn. And then after we can reflect, we can talk, we can educate ourselves. And I think that's, that's a good question to ask because sometimes... Being too helpful can be less helpful, if that makes sense. You got to know where those gaps are to fill them in. Because like you said, maybe you thought grabbing the sandbag was filling that gap, but maybe he had a different intention for that. Or maybe that sandbag's particularly for one specific task. Um, so it's, it's knowing... It's knowing the group of people you're working with and the environment, the culture. Because that's, that's the other thing about set productions. Every production is going to be different. And day one is always going to be the most tenseful one on a personal level. Because like, I don't know who these cats are. I don't know how they function. I don't know what their vibe is. Let me, let me read them out like we've said. Let me really analyze their steps. So day two and on, I know exactly where to fill in the gaps. And that's that's just my perspective. Uh, same thing. I, I I don't necessarily ask what can I help with in that direct manner, but my intention is always that like where can I where can I minimize the tension? Where can I give you more slack to be able to execute your job better? Yeah, I think a lot of those answers and that kind of intuition when you're on set comes from like you were saying earlier, being observant, um, especially when. You go there for the first time, you, just, you know, the goal here is to learn as much as possible. Um, and you might have a billion questions, but some of them might be answered by just observing certain departments or certain things that some people are doing. And now you no longer have these questions. And then maybe the next time you come on set, you're like, oh, I remember I remember how this person did this particular thing. I know how I can help them without having to, like, ask them or bother them. And we're talking about timing and, and knowing the right time. But let's not let's not scare off the curious minds always ask the question just know when mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a dumb question if, if someone looks down on you for asking a question then that's just unnecessary that you don't want to kind of like deal with that person because yeah that person's a dick if yeah. you don't know it, you don't know it you ask well, there was it a time will be answered and now you know it. there was a time you didn't know it either so let's let's keep the humility let's keep the transparency and let's keep the progression of the agitation uh, going back to the whole PA situation, that's why I feel like PAs need them like more credit than they are given because they're nice. usually the trash eaters. But the reality is they're the fucking lifesavers. Like when something goes wire, oh, I need you to run there real quick and get this. I need this. I need that. So where a lot of other production uh, crew is tied up. Yeah. We're tied up, and guess what? The PA has to come in and save the day. Sometimes the PA is a boom op. Sometimes the PA is a slate is a, uh, running the clapperboard. Sometimes the PA is the is the grip on set. You know, I mean, they they run and fill all those shoes, and I yeah. respect. Hey man, even a bottom feeder is essential to an ecosystem. Yeah. What we, what we got to remember is that like, that PA 
kind of like what uh i forgot who it was i think it was jeremiah that pa you don't know if he's gonna be the next steven spielberg so like don't spoon feed negative habits like just nurture it be like hey uh Maybe you messed up in X, Y, and C, but this is how it should be done. But I appreciate your time. And just, it's all about like climbing the mountain. We all, we all want to get to the summit. So why are we going to push back people that are in the same drive as we are? We just got to keep tallying ourselves on the same path, in my opinion. I think too, with what you just said too, about where people are, I think it's almost, it's like bigger than that, especially in the factor of like, I can use this as an example is we worked on Willow Clark and you were doing gaff, but then just a couple days ago you were doing, you were the director for your own film. And in the end of the day, by me making that connection with you and us bonding over that experience and having other experiences in the middle as well, but still nurturing a friendship, uh, a, um, a camaraderie really of respect and integrity, you nurture that future uh, opportunity as well as growth because um, you know you encouraged me to not be afraid to ask those questions to you you were always willing to educate me when possible okay if time doesn't permit it hey remind me after the shoot you can ask me that question again and I'll have a better answer even then like like I've done in the past we don't have to be on set to educate ourselves you right. can be like we have our creative gyms that you're always more than welcome to come we also have casual conversations like hey um i got a new sit spot you want to come over sometime and fuck with it right like stuff like that because it's at the end of the day on a larger spectrum it's how the it's how the organism is it's all like a group effort trying to unify to execute a single like vision so however i can minimize your path or your or your or your steps to get to the final destination. I want to see how I can like give you a push forward here and there. Yeah. That's just me. I, I think that's critical. I mean, we're here all in the same uh, industry, which a lot of people mistake it for a competition. But as much as it is a competition, is it's a breeding ground. And where you and I, let's say, we work together on something, you teach me something, well, guess what? If I'm hired on a job, I could bring you on and vice versa. Or if I'm considered for a job and you're not, well, guess what? I could still speak your name to other people and your name is still around. And we can have that communal upbringing of keeping it integral and keeping it in a team or keeping it in a community of saying, okay, well, guess what? You don't want this? I have another option for you. You want to do this? I have another option for you. And keeping those pillars aligned and ultimately intersecting to each other to say hey we're coming up all together that's where the competition doesn't really exist i mean there's enough money to be made in this industry for everyone to eat yeah it's just a matter of you have to be willing to receive it and the person who's providing it has to be willing to see what is on the horizon and see what is being offered and what is being presented and what is like we mentioned too is like what is worth it in the production do you want to take this risk of collateral or do you want to take this risk of money or you know where does the vision and the intention come together i want to ask you something uh kind of goes in hand with everything we've spoken about um 
a lot of people, a lot of outsiders that don't really know the industry, they think that we're just making pretty pictures. But you, especially after the journey you've embarked on and you're still going to push through, what is something that no other job, no other experience can simply match literally the hardships, both positive and negative, that the film industry provides? And I want everyone in this table to answer because a lot of people think we're just pressing record, but this is a brutal industry. This is not for the faint of heart. This is something that you not you gotta love it either the paycheck or the experience but you gotta love what you're doing because this is not a walk in the park so what is something that especially now because you're being consistent with your work which is great what is something that we uh we got a special guest from thor shout out to <laughs> thor um yeah i would say it starts off in a very i, I could say that this Statement can come off many ways, but you don't sign up for 12-hour work in a lot of careers that you join. I mean, unless you join in the healthcare industry or in the restaurant and uh, um, people services industry, you don't necessarily sign up for 12-hour work on a consistent basis. 12 hours a good day. That's a <laughs> That's good day. That's the worst part. Right. And, and you don't sign up for all havoc in most other jobs. And, and I mean that in a loving way because, you know especially on the indie perspective, you know, and it comes off as a double-edged sword where it's like you really don't know exactly what you're always signing up for, which can be so fun. Why? Because the days where I don't know what to do are the days that I learn the most. Amen. And I and I show up and I say, you want me to do what? With what? Like, And, and to explain what I'm saying is, is like, okay, I want this to look like I want this shot to look like the beach with the sunrise and I want this woman to be running across the, the sand and then we'll say, okay, well, where's the beach? Where's the sunrise? And where's the woman? Oh, I don't have any of that. Okay, well, now we got to figure out where we can go find these things and make it work. How do you build this set? How do you get this? And where can we go find this woman that you're looking for or whatever for this vision? And... Why is it so beautiful or what does it offer that another job doesn't offer is it's like, yes, you do have a set list of responsibilities for whatever role you're signing up for. And it can vary depending upon production, but when you sign up, you get to put your foot into that creative role. Although a lot of people think, you know, or are not aware of how it all comes down a lot of people can say, okay, the director has the final say-so. Well, that's a portion true, but the gaffer has that opportunity to say, well, the lighting needs to be like this. And then him and the director can come, or the DP can come together and say, let's make this compromise. Let's make it look here. Let's shine a light here. Let's, you know, I don't want to go too much detail because not everyone's going to understand, but build that world. And then the production designer, the person who builds the actual set, Okay, we're going to come together and make this all meet. And it's so beautiful because we get to come together every day and build different stories. And, I mean, I've never had the opportunity to really work on a production studio. I would love to do that where you actually build something from, like, the ground up and see all that skeleton formatting. That would just be monumental to me. Why? Because you get to see that all come to life. And that's something, too, that you kind of mentioned 
as far as seeing where I'm growing, well, guess what? I get to see where you guys are growing. And I get to see where we all started and we're still in the Honda Fit, but guess what? One day that Honda Fit is going to go somewhere else. Bro, that Honda Fit is going to have its own emblem, whether it's on a a portrait or whether (laughs) it's in our logo, but that Honda Fit is that That is the crucial lifesaver. That's where William Clark started. And that, that Honda Fit. I, w- I was always being sent out to the Honda Fit. Let's get it from the Honda Fit. When they didn't have it, the Honda Fit had it. <laughs> yeah. We need to be sponsored by Honda Fit. No? Right. Hopefully, we don't lose our way once we move past Honda. Honestly, if Honda, because there is a Honda van, but it's it's not in the it's U.S. Country, market. Sadly. Yeah. If it was, you best believe I'd be driving a Honda. Well, I, don't, I don't know what they're called or what the model is. I think it's like a Transit or that's a van maybe. No, no, Transit is a Ford. Right. Uh, that's the, Is that the one that the U-Hauls rent out? Uh, it's I don't know. But either way, the whatever, whatever van that is that the U-Haul rents out, I want that van. Yeah, U-Haul tends Ford. to have a Ford Transit. Yeah, I want that because it's Transits just... Transits are nice. You know which so, one's really solid? The Ram. The Ram yeah. Promaster. I a lot of people like the. I had a Ram fifteen hundred, but it was a V eight. Mm. So that thing, man, you turn it on, it's twenty bucks in gas. So it's like, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of these productions. So I'd be like, yeah, I got to charge like seventy bucks in. I gas. I would love to have a hybrid production van. Right. That would save so much right. money. Well, someone told me that because I was like, telling him, he's like, why don't you just go electric? And I'm like, that is not reliable at the moment. Right. <laughs> what am I going to use my Jenny to get to location? Right. Um, and, and the investment and all that, et cetera. Is, you like, know. Oh, we're in the middle of the road. Uh, let's. Uh, anyone has a generator? We need. <laughs> we need five more miles. <laughs> yeah, I'm bad at putting gas in the car. All right, just use so the Fisher dolly, and we'll dolly it there. Um, what about you, Abe? What's something that simply no other experience has matched? Well, to me, I'm a very like team-oriented person. Um, I love seeing something come together when it's a communal effort and everyone gets on the same page or gets on the same vision to accomplish a task. I think there's something beautiful about it. Um, even when I play video games or d and I'm always like either the support class or the medic or something because I love being the person to bring everyone together or to not to bring everyone together but to support the idea of everyone working together and getting different ideas and having everything come together with a little piece of everyone's intuition and everyone's, um, um, I guess, psychological insight uh, being part of the process. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm a strong believer that there's nothing in the world that happens on its own. Like even uh, the most beautiful flower takes the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, it takes sunlight from the sun, it takes water from the earth, and different things come together. The the earth itself is just a combination of perfect events happening to create this beautiful planet that we live in. Um, And I feel the same way about about filmmaking specifically. Regardless of how big the budget is, it's always much more fulfilling when you have this group of people and you have this one guy saying, oh, this is this is what I have in mind. And then everyone starts pitching in like, oh, that would be cool if this happened. Then it'll be cool if we added this. and It'll be cool if this happened. And then everyone kind of starts, you know, get the, getting the ball rolling. And they make this beautiful thing at the end of the day. And you go to the Academy Awards and you see this amazing movie that won. And then you see all the people that were behind it that 
each in their own way had something to contribute to that. I think that's amazing. And I know there's certain careers that are that are like that, but there's just something about filmmaking that's just being it's it's like the epitome of expression. Uh, it takes it's it's all it's all artistic mediums put put together. It's a it's a visual medium. It's an auditory medium. Uh, there's storytelling. Uh, there's there's really like laborious work. There's there's you know manual labor behind it as well. There's there's a lot of uh, uh, financial uh, work that you have to put into it. There's logistical work that you have to put into it. There's like it it covers almost all bases when it comes to creating anything when it comes to producing anything it the filmmaking itself covers almost all bases i think it's like the rawest form of expression um and the fact that if you watch a movie it's like so many different people expressing themselves in certain ways to make this to bring this all together into one cohesive message or one cohesive vision for someone else to intake and then have that vision inspire them to do their own thing i think that's an amazing thing and I know you probably thinking like oh I, I can do that with food and I'm sure you can but I'm not a chef so I can't do that with food so I do it with filmmaking because that's what I'm good at and that's what I stick to I like it and now it's your turn oh shit um next question <laughs> today's sponsor is brought to you by um I think it's it's very it's ever changing like the famous question we're gonna ask you there's never really a fixated uh status hovering over it i think i think filmmaking is very human it's uh it's a pureness of connecting um no one really goes out and says i'm gonna make a shitty movie um a lot of the time that's i mean there might be some people but <laughs> there's a lot of money that goes into making movies that how lucrative is it really to just say, I'm going to make a shitty movie? But majority of the people out there making movies, their, their intentions is not really to make a bad movie. It's to transcend an ideology or an, an experience or some sense of themselves. And through like collaboration of like-minded individuals that they bring on, use every person's uh, expertise or experience to really mold it into what the director thinks it should be. Because at the end of the day, a good director is not going to be the dictator. A good director is going to be, what do you think should be this? It's going to go to the art department. What do you think it should look like? I really, I'm motivated by Wes Anderson and I want to have like a lot of symmetry and just vibrant colors. But I wanted to also feel grounded. What do you think? It's, a, it's, it's literally human interaction on a large form medium so yeah culinary does the same um engineering could do the same there's a lot of things everyone feels different about each of their professions but it's like ape said filmmaking grabs everyone's experiences and 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 strengths and like kind of unifies it to a larger than life image because Hell, as of recent, we're introducing the video game world into the filmmaking world. And before, it was like, oh, I mean, those two are separate worlds. Every day, there's a new technique that's being applied just to be able to succeed and fulfill the vision that a group of people have. And I think that there's, there's just 
there's so, just something pure about it good and bad it's just it feels it feels human that's how that's how that's why i connect with it because it's it's literally all my weaknesses and all my strengths put into a singular moment of, of time i think too uh kind of like what i'm slowly like grabbing also in my head as far as with film is and it's kind of when you know how film is broken down it's kind of like easy to say it but at the same time it's like it really is a meshing combination of so many different professions and there really isn't a way to isolate what film really is because there are so many different departments that make a film and any large production that makes a film there's over hundreds of thousands tens of thousands of people involved in the film and some of them are not even credited so they're probably even more than what we know in certain films but just to give like a, a small synopsis it's like there are makeup there's a makeup department there's a wardrobe department there is um there's a logistical department there is someone in charge of financing there's someone in charge of the the grip and electrics which guess what they're based out of science engineering they're based out of technology there are so many different departments that i can't even begin to list because there's hundreds and in each nation it varies how the application goes but in the end of the day it really is a common and even culinary it plays in the film too how can we have these dishes on these films and some of them yeah they're not real food but they're inspired on food and they look like food how who do you bring you bring a chef you bring a chef, you bring someone, uh, you bring a, um, a food stylist, food stylist, you bring so, um, someone uh, like an ingredient specialist, someone who knows how to prepare um, a, a menu of items, you know, how to bring it all together. You could even bring a plant specialist if you're doing something plant based and et cetera, et cetera. It can go infinitely depending upon the project. I mean, you know, some projects are simple. They could be made with five people. Some projects are not simple. They need 5 million people, you know? So it's like, you really, I don't think you can comfortably put a, a limitation on it because it changes, like you are just saying. I mean, it is. It's, it's when you went to break it even down more, like most of the jobs you, you described are simply part of like art department, the food stylist, the chef. And what's, what's even more impressive is that the decisions that one department makes also affects other departments right and to not communicate that to ignore the community that is built in that production it will jeopardize anything that's not on that anything that's unspoken so like i said it's all pureness it's all humanity it's all like literally us coming together and getting our 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 expertise to just bring reality to something um it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing i put it to do this example from the last project is um we were lighting for our talent which he was of darker complexion so it could be of a, a different a little bit more of a challenge to light for a darker complexion in a darker scene mm-hmm. And we were lighting for him, and he was wearing lighter clothes. And then the director says, okay, well, 
let's get him changed in his wardrobe. And then his wardrobe ended up being darker clothes. So as we lit for the lighter clothes, well, now we have to make an adjustment because now it's not complementing the scene as we had it lit, which is, it's under, guess what? We learned something there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, now that's an application of what you just said of communication where I have worked in costume and my girlfriend works in makeup. And in order to do, let's say we're doing a wound, I have to know, okay, is your makeup going to be applied on the collarbone? Well, now I know that my costume has to reflect that wound however it was formed. If it's a cut, well, guess what? The clothes are probably going to need to have a cut. Or if it's a if it's a gunshot, they may need to have some singeing, some wear, or some, you know, dirt, whatever the case is, you know. So it's like all those things have to be communicated. Yeah, I, I just wanted to express how important the uh the, the wardrobe the color of the wardrobe specifically and the complexion of a subject is when it comes to lighting um i don't know if i mentioned this to you with that last set that i was on the one that i mentioned earlier that had no gaffer no lights or whatever imagine going on a set with no lights no lighting equipment we're using only house lights and the entire cast are all dark-skinned people wearing dark clothes how how would one even light that? How would that look on camera? I'll tell you how. Even the inverse too, with too much light and yeah. the, the skin, they, they have fair complexion. And white clothing. And white clothing. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you how it looked on camera. Terrible. Uh -huh. I had the aperture open as much as I could. I checked the false color and everything was black, uh, uh, blue and purple. I couldn't see a damn thing on these people. Yeah. They were completely no hidden in the darkness because it's one thing if you have a dark a complexion subject with dark clothes and clothes and you can light for it right if you have no lights the least you can do or the least thing you can take into consideration is the wardrobe right because that's something that you can at least control Contrast. in a low budget right production exactly food for thought creative vices <laughs> what about it just saying all these things everything is it's a creative vice in the end of the day because I think that's something that we all kind of have that shared aptitude of why we click very well is because the hunger to want to see more creativity, challenge the boundary, see what can be done. And I like to work on the smaller budgets because it's what can be done for less. Yeah. But it's having that initiative and that plan ahead of time to say, well, we have a hundred bucks with this hundred dollars. How do we allocate this money to be most efficient? Is it worth buying the $50 shirt or the $20 shirt that doesn't exactly fit the project, but we can now buy a second shirt just in case something happens? Or yeah. we could buy a pair of shoes that maybe add to the character. You know what I'm saying? Like all these I don't, things. Know, I don't know about you. Everyone will decide what to do with those 100 bucks depend like independently. But for me, whether it's 100 bucks or 100000 my priority is the crew, right? The cast. Understandable. Um, obviously, you wanna, you want. It's a tough, especially with a hundred bucks. It's tough, but my priority is let me make something that I have resources to. Let me time it properly. Let me prepare properly, and above that, if I can't pay people, let me treat them what they deserve to be treated. Let me make sure that there's plenty of water. Let me make sure there's crafties. Let me make sure that someone 
is going around and asking, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Do you need anything? So my integrity is always going to be the well-being of the, of the people involved. Um, I think kind of going back to everything we've always said in this show and in person uh, on when we talk to people is what we, what we want to do is create experiences. We want to create memories that will motivate and inspire new opportunities to be taken. Are you transforming? No, I just cracked my <laughs> neck, dude. That, <laughs> that sounded like some like... That thing hurt, but it felt good. Oh, there you go. There you go. I hope that was like caught in the audio. <laughs> I don't know, but that's your next step of evolution. You're right. Re- you're not, now you're, you're not Chris anymore. You're Christopher. Oh. The gaffer. Well, I actually do that on set. I make people say the whole name because I'm like, everyone is Chris, but you got to call me Christopher. You got to use all those syllables, although in film we're the laziest, hardworking people. It's the budget, <laughs> it's, bro. It's not in the budget. It's like, nah. You got to get paid for those extra letters. Right. It's like, hold on. You got to say Topher? Like, <laughs> Look, man, all the budget that I had to be able to afford your full name when, when I went down with the ladder. So. Dang. Like since then you're just Chris. Like there's no change. There's no uh, Yeah. You've Lesson for things. all the PAs out there: you're holding a ladder. Don't pull out your flashlight. <laughs> Watch the guy on the ladder. <laughs> he can see fine. If he can't, let him figure that out. Cause you don't want to look away yeah. from the ladder. If you're the spotter on a ladder, spot that. Spot like your freaking life depended on it. Cause it does. Or your 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 subject, your individual on the ladder is gonna go through the wall like the cooling. <laughs> Or just say, uh, hey, uh, homie, uh, give me a sec. Let me get a light so I can help you out. Word. And, I'll, and then that person will stop. He'll. Yeah, I mean, I think it was mentioned before, but uh, he was definitely dropped on a ladder. Um, I was spotting him, but so was Abe, so we're equally responsible, you know. That but, person was me, by the way. I'm still yeah, here, thankfully. He, he's hey, alive. I wasn't spotting. I was wrangling cables, okay? But you were behind him, so anyway. But, you know, whatever, I'll take, whatever I'll helps take my accountability. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, but it happens and I learned a heavy lesson and that will never happen again. But you know what um, it was? It was the complete lack of regard for safety from our superiors. Yeah, that force like wanting to add another light and saying we have ten minutes to get it up and to hurry and hurry, hurry. It's like something I learned that day is with G and E, you compromise one of two things. You either compromise the setup or the time but you're not going to compromise the individual right especially if you're not having any like liabilities or any of that like i could have easily just said screw you guys i'm walking out i'm taking all my shit i'm taking my guy and i'm also gonna talk to my lawyer so deuce no i mean i will say that that was something too and it was like it was crazy. I looked up to put the flashlight up, and you weren't on the ladder anymore. And I was like, what's happening? Where'd he go? <laughs> Where'd he go? And then we were like, oh, he's on the floor. And we got to, like, check him and make sure he's okay. And then the time was spent, you know, securing him, which is valuable. But we wish we didn't have to do that. In the end of the day, it was something that now I've had, like I mentioned, in my last opportunities, I got to work as key grip. So as key grip, one of your responsibilities is safety. And... I take that very seriously, especially with this experience. And like one of the main rules is not crossing underneath lights. Not if you're on a ladder, someone needs to be spotting you. If there's cables that are out, they need to be covered or taped or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But all of these things have to be taken into consideration. Well, what's happening here? Because Bro, you know what the irony was? 
speaking to what you're just saying, mm-hmm. and then in that same production, in regards to cabling, even then they were overlooking safety. Yeah, even know. after that whole incident. Like, I don't know if you remember that. I, I, we were trying to, like, <clears throat> we didn't have time to tape the cables because yeah. they were, like, traveling the whole fucking time. Right. Yeah. So there was a bunch of carpets, and we are just, like, just put carpet over it. And they had the audacity to say, oh, we don't have time for that. Just set it up, and we'll do it later. Safety later. Yeah, we'll do safety. He, he literally said verbatim, we'll worry about safety after. That's what he said while we were trying to prevent a tripping hazard. Right. No, I, like, I definitely had an incident on that last project where, um, you know, we did have the cables underneath as big as mats as we could find and try because they, the floor literally did not allow gaff tape. It would not stick. Mm. So we're like, the only option we had was to put mats over it. So one of the extras did end up kind of stumbling on a wire under the mat because it was, like, sticking up with, uh, with the, the cube, the cube tap. So I was like... I stopped the whole shot. I was like, I don't care. We're, we're cut. We need to fix this. Because if he falls, that's on me. Mm-hmm. And that's on this whole production. Yeah. And guess what? That ain't happening with me as key grip. That's going to go down on me. And I was like, hold for safety. Because that's what we're holding people for. People are going to appreciate that. I'm sure yeah. after the after it was all done and said, people hopefully yeah. said, yeah. thanks for that. Well, I can no, speak- he, he said it right there. The, 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 the extra especially, he was like, you know, the talent. He's like, Thank you, because mm-hmm. he was already walking in an unsafe manner, sort of, like a, in a risky manner. It wasn't unsafe, but with that extra cable added into the ground, it just made it that much more of a hazard. So I was like, let's, we need to stop this whole thing, because I don't care what it costs us in take-wise. We need to fix this, because yeah, well, there's, I'd there's... rather have safe. I'd rather not have the light. Exactly. And it'd be dark, yeah. then have the light, and it'd be a safety issue. Yeah. There's there's so much value also behind making sure that everything is secure and safe. And something that I really value about you when you work with us is if I, if I even take, like, a step in a, in a weird position, you're already behind me. Like, all right, I'm behind you. I got your back. Uh, but would you lower my headphones? No, I lowered mine. You lowered mine. That's mine. Oh. Now you lowered mine. Well, it's way too loud. I mean, I can barely hear myself. Anyway, um, it, there's a lot of value in it because once you have, whether it's lights or camera, once you have safety and security already down, you have so much more freedom of movement. There's so much more liberty with what you can do and in turn makes the rest of the setup and the rest of the shoot go so much more efficiently because you're not worried about like, oh, let me make sure I don't trip on this. Let me make sure that there's somebody behind me. Let me make sure that there's nothing in the way or in my, in my path. Forget that, that you're still there able to do it. That too. Because in that incident, when you fell off the ladder, you were not able to provide that support anymore. Yeah, you could be there mentally and emotionally and supportively, which is beautiful, but it's now you don't exist in that equation. So time now is added, which is the least of our problems. Our problem is now one of our crew members is injured. And, and let's the guy put- still had the audacity to, like, demand for me to, like, work. And it wasn't until after that he's like, oh, at least at the very least, delegate. I'm like, bro, right. at the very <laughs> least, give a shit. At the very least, I'm going to go home. <laughs> no, but, I mean, you know, things things happened. That happened. And because of that, I think, you know, at least from this circle here, we learned something and we were able to take something away from that and say, okay, what do we do? 
you know, from now. And that's all we can do, you know. But from that, we will have things that we'll never overlook now. Now it's, and, and, I, and I had someone spy someone on the ladder and I said, listen, do not take a hand off. You do not look at anything other than the person on the ladder. And if something happens, you stop them. And I had my gaffer in last project was leaning on the ladder. And I said, bro, if you do not get down and let me move this ladder, we're going to have a problem because you're not going to lean on this ladder. And then I have to catch you. Yeah. Not because I care about catching him, but because that's a risk to me. That's a risk to him. The ladder could fall on somebody else. You know, we, we, we don't need all that variable. Like you were saying, like, yes, we have less to worry about, but now we have you still here, a part of the production. Exactly. Safety first, boys and girls. That's the moral of the story today. Safety first. <laughs> another another safety matter is careful where you place liquids next to gear. Yes. We and, learned that today. And leave them away from Chris. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, crazy part is that he's the one that didn't have any alcohol. So <laughs> that means that creative vices has to be like consumed with alcohol because it kind of unifies everything. <laughs> Or maybe you did spike it while we weren't looking. I don't know what's going on anymore. Oh. Um, I wish you did. Oh. But, I mean, yeah. Um, is there any, any fun facts, anything you want to share with the viewers? I'm not viewers, the listeners, or anything that you just want to like bring up to attention? So, um, I was asked in the beginning, what did I want my backdrop to be? Because he has a nice, large television that he set up here. And he offered a beach, and I accepted the beach. But it, because it, it actually fits in, it's got some boats in the background. It fits in with something that I am currently working on. I have talked about it many times, but I am going on the venture of getting scuba certified. Oh, nice. Nice. And I am going to work down the venture of trying to do underwater grip. What? Whoa. That's sick. Interesting. Scuba so. certification is like, well, like 60 hours? Um, no, um, I mean, I don't know the total hour timing, but there's like an eight to 10 hour online course. And then you do like a three day in pool session where I'm yeah. learning. And then you do, uh, two guided dives with an instructor mm -hmm. and I'm doing that in the Key West. So nice. Yeah. Have they have some, they have some really there. good, um, scuba certification places over in South Florida. Yeah, I mean, I the one is, it's, it's here, but they actually were telling me that they certified a lot of the stunt actors for Black Panther, which... That's so sick. It's very interesting. It's, hopefully, it's an opportunity to meet some more people, but I, I have, actually I have got so many underwater shoots that I have in mind. Now yeah, we know where to come. I'm the guy. I actually got, I met a gentleman at my church that does underwater grip, and ironically... He was do he did it for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and I said, well, you know, it's something that I mentioned to a lot of GNE people I've spoken to. It's like, oh, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. And then I met someone who does it, and I was like, well, how do you how do you get into that? He says, well, you already do grip, so now get scuba certified, and then you'll have the higher likelihood of being hired on a set for underwater grip. You know, it's a different world above ground versus underwater. Different tools, which I'm going to have to learn a little bit more about. But, um, you know, he was telling me on the project on the Wakanda Forever, they used 150-foot solid underwater 
Jesus. And him and one other guy had to roll it up. And I was like, how do you do <laughs> that? But I'll learn, I guess, you know. And he's excited to hopefully he can get me onto something where we can work on a project together or he can at least teach me some stuff. And That's I'll awesome. It's, I feel drill. like it's, it's one thing to scuba dive. It's another yeah. thing to work while yeah. scuba diving. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I can't stop, like, thinking about that. And so that's, like, my big uh, big reveal, fun fact that I have that I can't prepare Let's with. spawn uh, that. Let's like, spawn that? Yeah. I mean, I've always thought about it. I don't know, like, I heard about it, and I heard that the pay was really good. Mm. And I, li- I like doing grip and electric, and I figured doing it underwater would be really fun. Uh, probably pretty dangerous, but I... Will learn the proper techniques, and I will learn the applications and what you know not to do, what to do. Um, you know, that's going to add so much value to you as oh, a grip person. That's that's 120 percent. I mean, that's part of the package. As why I was like, I'm going to make this investment. I'm going to do it. Um, I chose the keys because I wanted to go to the keys for a while now. So it was either the keys. Tennessee or Alabama and I was like Tennessee or Alabama don't sound as much fun as the keys so I'm gonna go to the keys and um we're gonna go down there there's apparently like a shipwreck we're gonna go see and do all this stuff so Mm -hmm. you know yeah Yeah, I'm really really excited and um if I can get a job doing that I mean I'll be super static it's not when 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 you're correct there so yeah, that's what kind of, I mean, I've always talked about it. And so it's been like a seed that I planted in my head. And did I think it was going to happen this year? No. But by speaking to the gentleman who's involved in it, it just gave me that initiative to literally, I went that same day that I talked to him and signed up. Nice. And I was like, I'm signing up. I'm just going to do it. And, and I'm going to think about it and regret my money, my money <laughs> later. But I won't regret it because... In the end of the day, there's a lot of opportunities involved when you do have that scuba license. You could do a lot of other things. There's photography, there's video, there's salvage, there's whatever, you know. Oh, you might be you might even be on a production during Shark Week one one day. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a possibility. I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it down. I would have fun doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could be risky as anything in life that's a pursuit. There's always risk, but you have to take those risks responsibly and, you know, make the right decisions. The biggest risk is the one not taken. Right. That's the only time you could fail. You don't take the risk. You, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask you guys, what's up for you guys? Oh, you have questions for us? Yeah, Ooh, that's new. Thank you. Thank I like you. it. Yeah. What's up for you? What's up for you guys? What's your, what's your big kahunas? What's your big, uh, Moves. Well, that's a private question. Uh, once we cut, cut okay, home. not Kahuna's. Then uh, what's, what's your next move? I'm actually currently in the process of moving to a new apartment building. It has been a nightmare yes. so far. So there's that. Um, I think moving forward, we've we've actually been working on the infrastructure of our production company. Uh, the two of us and Grillo. Sign me up, underwater grip. Oh, hell yeah. And I think it's been going well. We've had a lot of very productive uh, meetings. We've, we've, I, f- I feel like we've taken uh, a lot of steps in the right direction. 
Um, I think we're moving up each time that we have a meeting and each time that we, we're the type of people that, you know, we, we learn something from our mistakes. Um, and even when we don't make mistakes, there's always something to learn. And we always try to implicate, implement that into everything that we do, uh, new knowledge, old knowledge, whatever, whatever it may be. And uh, I feel like we have a lot of big things coming in the sense that we have this Life Happens uh, uh, short series that we're now uh, looking into having someone uh, fund so that we can turn it turn this into like an like a very uh, affordable project, uh, something that uh, the kind of venture that we we. We don't want to be so strapped on cash that we have to make sacrifices or compromises to make this happen. We want to be able to do this the right way uh, and through the right channels. So that's something to, to look forward to. Um, I think uh, actually this podcast is growing in, in, in listeners from the first episode. I'm, I'm going to be very honest. I have not looked at the analytics and I don't want to at the given time because I don't want to get discouraged. I... I I do the podcast probably in the same reason that you've decided to hop on, which is the the transparency of just talking to someone one to one. Because this world yeah, today beautiful. is we're not we're not well, as far as the podcast goes, we're not super concerned one, on on logistics. You guys two to one technically? Oh. You're not talking to me one to one? No, I'm not playing. What's going on? It's two to one. Said two it's to one. It's, it's one to one to one. One to one to one. Yeah. So that train. I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> um, I have we have been getting some people that are like they they have been listening to the podcast and they want to get in they want to be in the podcast. Um, I was talking to someone the other day who for, I was talking to them for the first time and I was telling them that we have this podcast and they're like, oh yeah, I know, I, I would love to be in it. And they it kind of took me by surprise, huh? They knew. Yeah, the the guy that I told you about. Oh, nice. And I and I it took me by surprise because I was like, damn, I thought I didn't realize that other people listen to this outside of the people that like we promote it to. And people are actually excited about the podcast, yeah. both both as listeners and as, as guests. As, as guests, like you don't know this, but you're the third person back to back in the past three days that we've done a podcast with. We yeah, did I one on Saturday, one Jeremiah, and Sunday, and, and today. today. That's awesome. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, I can our, imagine. Our, uh, our, I think our little community is growing, and and we came here, we came to Atlanta with the intention of creating and cultivating this community under uh, Division Media Group, and just trying to make our art and 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 say what we have to say with with the intentions of having everyone you know jump on board and and agree with the way we do things and and find like minded people who have things to say as well. Um, and I think we've been doing a pretty good job so far of making that happen. And I love seeing the support that we've been getting from different people and just their willingness to want to be part of the things that we do is like, it's really, uh, it's really motivating. It's really fulfilling and it's really heartwarming that we have people that not only are willing to be part of it, but they're like, they, they go out of their way to help us out just because they know that we would do the same for them. And as, as, as like mind-boggling this may sound it's still the beginning technically speaking when yeah, we, we're only getting started yeah when we met was when we technically started our film journey here in Atlanta because sure we had like two dudes in between but one it was way too far separated amongst itself but also we were still trying to get used to like the new lifestyle the yeah. new the new norm we were still settling well, even Grillo, like he was like two weeks fresh into Atlanta when yeah. when I met him, he was like, "Yeah, I've been here like two weeks. This is like my first project here." I'm like, "What?" All, like, all that like, had to happen I think it was, was less than two weeks, but 
he was like, yeah, I'm just like fresh up in here, which is which is beautiful. I mean, it's and I'm new to Atlanta as well, so it's great that we're here in this industry, able to climb up. And like I already mentioned it before, like I I when you first mentioned the podcast, I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna do my research. Like I started listening to it and staying active on it, and like catching up to it, shouting it out, and all that stuff because I was excited to see that, and I'm excited to see people that are passionate about it. And you guys are very genuine, like. As far as like, obviously, I'm sure everyone has their own, you know, personal situations and everything goes on. Well, guess what? We grow and we learn from those things. Like, you're not afraid to tell me something's up. Like, okay, guess, guess what, bro? Like, this is what it is. I'm like, all right, well, cool. We we work around that. That's it. All yeah. it took was one guy for falling off a ladder <laughs> yeah. to bring everyone together. The, yeah, the the point is the to, fall to do this as a to do this as a community. Like I said before, this is. This whole industry is, you know, a big team effort, and we as a group um, appreciate uh, and love trying to uh, accentuate that and make it very evident that everybody is an equal member of this team, regardless of your position, and everyone has, um, even though our roles might be different on a set, everyone has just as much to bring to the table as, as anyone else, whether you're above the line, below the line, a PA. Everyone is valued equally uh, on our on our sets, and that's the reason, I think, that we do so well and the people want to keep coming back and the fact that our projects, um, not to be, I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything, but the fact that our projects come out so well in comparison to a lot of other uh, small-budget productions is because of that. Um, and you said uh, you, you you do research. You did some research, and you've listened to some of our podcasts. So I'm sure that you know what the question of the podcast is. The last question of the day. So Chris, uh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, hopefully, maybe you have something prepared, or maybe you're just uh, you know uh, free doming it. But if anything, what? here do us a favor yeah. before he asks. Whatever you know, the fucking question. Whatever you had conceived, put that shit in the I trash. Didn't conceive anything. I'm Nothing sorry, was conceived. Guys. I'm sorry to well. hear that. It's gonna happen one day. Don't worry about it. We're, It'll be all right, bro. <laughs> so, Chris, what is creativity to you? Creativity to me is an independent. Or excuse me, let me not put it that way. Um, I knew he rehearsed this. Right. Right. Oh, I didn't prepare shit. Fuck that. <laughs> it is a venture of application. A venture of how you apply whatever your medium is because there's creativity can go boundless. It can go with food, it can go with poetry, it can go with sculpting, it can go with um, film, it can go with any medium. It could be just us having a general conversation, it can be creative of how you and your personal perspective applies anything just application in whatever your venture is i like that this is very similar to my answer i like that a lot i like i like it a lot a little bit a little bit maybe a lot i don't maybe a lot welcome to the show i did have a question one more question for you guys oh he's breaking the mold holy I shit did, oh, yes. no we were about to cut it right uh, here no uh, okay then you want to cut it <laughs> what? No. all right go for it all right it's gonna be um, dlc though they gotta pay extra to hear this question right so Obviously, besides, like, community, besides, like, bonding and those types of generational answers that we've been giving this entire podcast, 
what is like one lesson that you would provide maybe someone else in the film industry, someone new to the film industry, um, someone who has a question about the film industry? What is one scent that you would give them? Uh, the best way to begin is by beginning. Um, sometimes I, le- I, I can't speak for all industries or all aspects of life, but I know f- for certain that I can speak for this is that the best way to get started is by just taking the leap and figuring it out as you go along. Um, it doesn't matter if it's your first production or your millionth production, you're always going to come out of it having learned something and taking that into account for the next one, you're, you will be much wiser uh, and if you're somebody that has trouble getting started with things, maybe you're intimidated or maybe you're, you're just not sure, I think it's something that you should embrace. The uncertainty is something that, that should be embraced as someone who is starting in this field that you, you jump in there and there's, there's, to me, there's this like, this beautiful like mystery and this, and this, uh, awe-inspiring sensation when you don't know something and you kind of go in there blind and then you start learning and things start coming together little by little and it makes you feel like, holy shit, like, you know, I'm, I'm learning, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. There, there's like a certain, uh, fulfillment that you get behind it. So if you're, if you're, if you want to know how to start, how to get into this, just, you just do, you just do it. You begin by beginning. And most importantly, you only get good by fucking up. Amen. So stay, keep fucking up, keep persevering, keep reflecting, keep communicating, and just keep doing. Because you're not gonna learn shit behind a clock, behind a closed door. Like you need to get out there, jump into the dark, and find someone to catch, and just continue to like take those leaps of faith. Because then you're gonna see that there's something across the street that you may like. There's something across the lake. There's something across the world that's gonna fulfill you so there's something beneath the surface (laughs) yeah and above us but we won't know with our eyes closed and just kind of cuddled up in our bed with all the blinds closed you you need to learn something there too you know you want to know how to be creative get off get get out of get off your bed open the blinds and just watch just watch, intake, and outtake. Give back to whatever you absorb. Yes. So yeah, that answer your great. question. That that does that works for me. Cool. All right, it's lunch time. Well, dinner time. Well, well, Chris, thanks for coming, time? man. Thanks for being on this podcast. It, I was I've been looking forward to having you here because I, I way would, too long. I've always We've been wanted planning to, this for like two months. Now. Yeah, I've always wanted to outside of production or outside of being on set. I've always wanted to pick your brain about how you see the world inside the industry and it was really nice getting that insight from you and learning how like-minded the three of us are um if there's anything you want to shout out or anything you want to plug i know you uh, let me uh, get those can, plugs what you can follow chris on ig at chris in motion that's chris with an h underscore in dot motion uh, on instagram um and yeah there's there's only one thing left to say what, do, what is it that we always say at the end of the podcast? What do we always say? You studied for this. All right, I did, but I'm failing on this one. What's the name of a brand? My brand? My brand. I was like, I don't have a brand. Division Media? And what do we ask our viewers to be? Always be always, this. Uh, damn. It's all right, Always guys. keep creating? I'm like failing. 
All right. All right. Again, we open our eyes. This is failure. We observe. This, this is learning. And we intake just to give back. And that, my friends, remember, always be a visionary. Be a visionary. Be a visionary. <laughs>